Since God's saying something, just a word. Let's just take a moment just to, just to wait on that. It's not to do with what I'm teaching, as far as I know. Lord would say, for such a time as this, I am your God. For such a time as this, for this point, for this stage in the journey, for this present experience, I am your God. I've enveloped you in my love. I've endued you with my promises. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've made provision. And I've set before for you a pathway. I've prepared good works for you to do. For such a time as this, I am your God. God of provision, God of protection, God of power. I am your God. I am your God. I've loved you with an everlasting love that doesn't cease. I've placed a banner over you called love. I've drawn you into my family. I've made provision for every day of your life. For such a time as this, I am your God. Thank you, Lord. God is a good God. You all ready for Christmas? No? Didn't sound very enthusiastic. But, yeah. God, in His goodness, caused me to be married to Mother Christmas. <laughs> Therefore, I don't have to. She has her own grotto, <laughs> spends most of the year there. It frees me from all concerns. The only concern I have, of course, is to get something for her. At that point in time, I need to move in miracle. Because I need to know and I need to get what she doesn't know that she wants. And it has to be a total surprise. But when she gets it, it's what she would have wanted. There's word of knowledge, there's word of wisdom, there's a whole lot of work there. I kind of, today, want to look at, yeah, what we get. But my, my, my focus is probably around also, it's interesting what Hans said earlier on. Not just what we get, but what we give. Where we, the way, when we're connected into him, what happens? And I think it's good uh, that we, we express our love in giving, whether at Christmas time or whenever. I think that's kind of what we believe. Believe it should be real, believe it should be practical, believe that expressing our love to God, worshiping Him, 
not in a kind of formulaic way, but from our heart is pretty important, pretty significant. Privilege of giving to him, showing love to him. And of course, one of the ways we do that, according to the scripture, is by loving one another. And of course, loving one another is with the love of God is always going to be real, it's always going to be practical, never just going to be in, in words. And uh, I think I never get tired of that. You know, when I, I think when I was in Egypt a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the day before I went, it was when, that, when we had that short spell of cold weather. That was quite timely to go to Egypt then. It was quite pleasant. And the problem was a boiler broke the day before. So my wife communicated with me. Trust you're having a nice time in the warm sunshine whilst I'm freezing to death. <laughs> but here's the thing. People said, come and stay with us. People brought heaters. Uh, the manifestation of real practical is what we do. We almost, we almost kind of get used to it. But I don't want to get used to it that it doesn't thrill my heart to think this is what it's like. Not only to be loved by God directly, but to be loved through the body, one another, uh, expressing the love of God. Because that's what the scripture says. That's how we show love one for another. And then... Again, just as I was going, that wind came, blew a big sort of hedge thing down. But Ken and Alan came and fixed that. When I came back, it was all fixed. I thought, yeah, it's, it's just what we do, is loving and caring and being related one to another. And we, we talk it in terms of um, covenant relationships. And I want us to just take a little time to, to look at covenant and understand that a little bit. Um, I know that often, and I probably will always do this, explain as a community of people, we haven't entered into some additional special covenant. We are in covenant relationship. What does that mean? It means that we have chosen, we have decided that God would have us be an expression, a practical outworking of that covenant that we potentially have with all born-again believers living under the Lordship of Christ. We just happen to be those who God has drawn together to be a practice of that. So yes, it, it is very meaningful and if it's meaningful, if you're outside of that, then it means there's something different. Sometimes people are in covenant relationship, time comes that they move on. I don't really see the reason for them to become the devil incarnate overnight. But it is different because they're no longer feeling that this is the particular expression of this relationship that God gives us, this ability that's birthed into us to enable us 
to be that expression of covenant relationship, to work it out, to live in the practice of it. It's a very, very precious thing. And it has myriad practicalities. It's not some new covenant. Well, it's part of the new covenant. It's not some additional covenant. So I want us to understand that. And I find that that's something that's necessary for us to refresh our understanding and thinking on a regular basis because we otherwise struggle with that. This is not a kind of uh, soulish or emotional thing. You know, I, I'm not joined with Neil because I think, oh, uh, what, what... I mean, he's fun. Well, we make a lot of fun of him. We're very wicked to Neil. But, but he's good. God's designed me for that. But it's not about, well, I like to be with him. It happens that I do. Actually, that is biblical as well. David said, I delight to do your will. But there is a much more significant thing. God has joined us. And I'm just using Neil because he happens to be close. To to be an expression of that which we could have with anybody that God decides to join us with in that love relationship. It's not like a, a kind of mutual help club. It's not uh, something just to kind of see needs met. It's an opportunity to express what God's placed in our hearts. So let's have a little look at covenant, the nature of it, and then we'll have a look at some of the, depending on time, the features of it. It's important that we understand that. And then something of the results of it. We'll see how far we get to on that. Very important to God. You heard God spoken of as a covenant-making, a covenant-keeping God. In fact, uh, if you go through the scriptures, you find it's, uh, it's mentioned about 300 times. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. And if it's a big deal to God, it probably needs to be fairly significant and important to us. Not a thing to be taken lightly, um, especially since we belong to a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. Different types of covenant. Um, God uses covenants to to communicate with us, to redeem us, uh, to guarantee us eternal life. This is all wrapped up in the issue of covenant. Uh, And he does this because covenant is primarily about a promise. And God's promises can't be broken. Is that good? Yeah. God's promises cannot be broken. Yeah? They cannot be broken. Because God cannot lie. Basically, they rest in his totally infinite and pure character. So if you like, the Bible is a covenant document. In fact... We talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament. We could equally call those um, covenants. Uh, in fact, the word testament is actually Latin for covenant. So they're really the Old and New Covenants. Now, if you go back into the beginning of it, not only was it a very serious, but it was a very messy business, uh, the whole covenant thing. Um, way back it 
it seemed to include each party drinking the blood of the other party. Glad that's changed. In Jeremiah 34, it's obviously moved on from that, we see that it was enacted by sacrificing an animal, cutting it in two, and each party passing through the blood of an animal. Still not, you know, not what you want to do before lunch, you know? Of course, we're more familiar with the, the form and the words in the New Testament. Remember the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. We'll look at it in a minute. Oh, no, let's look at it now. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So when we share the bread and wine, we are expressing again that issue of covenant. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Very, very significant, very important. That's how we are recognising and remembering the covenant. So in its nature, covenant is not so much a contract or a legal arrangement, but it's more a commitment which is, which is voluntarily undertaken. I mean, nobody made God uh, enter into covenant with us. God chose. God decided. What a process. I bet nobody, when you looked in the mirror this morning, said, good choice, God. Good choice. We don't tend to do that, do we? But we could. We could look in the mirror and say, this is who God chose. God decided to set his love upon this person. So it's, it's a voluntary thing. I suppose there's a measure of risk or an act of faith in the whole issue of how the future is. So it's voluntary undertaking and it shares, and I want us to get hold of it, it shares the, the, the fate or the outcome. It's a linking together of destinies, accepting of responsibility for each other. It's like this. See this? Look. God has, in his love and in his mercy, joined himself. We have been joined to him. That's the nature of covenant. Connected, joined, uh, bound together. Not something that he's going to kind of, oh, no, I don't... I'm a bit off of them at the moment. That's never going to happen. God's covenant is there in a very, very powerful way. Now, in its outworking, uh, it will involve serving him. He serves us, serving one another, helping each other. But not from a point of view, if I do this, I'll gain that. That contaminates it. We do it out of uh, an expression of love. Well, if I, if I pray or if I learn the Bible or if I go to meetings or if I lift my hands in praise, uh, God will be pleased. No, that, that's kind of muddled thinking. It, it's not only muddled, it's totally inaccurate. God is pleased anyway. 
God has joined himself to us. This is Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, who has joined himself to little old you. Hmm? It's a nudge moment, isn't it? Yeah? It's a nudge moment. It's you he's talking about. Yeah? Try it and see. It also has the advantage of waking up the person next to you, which is also useful. This is something about what, what God said about it in Jeremiah 31. He said, the time is coming, talking about this new covenant, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the God and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. And that's us, by the way. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is God speaking. He said, I will join myself to you. I will change your thinking. I will change your heart. I'm going to put it on the inside. It's not about keeping rules on the outside. I'm going to do this thing differently. And I'm going to join myself to you. And I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people. And that's going to be forever and ever. Oh, oh dear. I almost get excited when I think about that. <laughs> Glory be. What God does, I will put my law in their minds. By the power of his Holy Spirit, we understand things that are pleasing to him. We're led by his Spirit. It's written on our hearts. I don't have to kind of drum up something. Because of this fact that we're in this connected covenant relationship, something fundamentally has changed. I ain't what I used to be. I'm different. Uh, the other phrase is born again. That much different, I'm born again of incorruptible seed. I'm fundamentally different because of this covenant that he's made. imparted into us when we enter into covenant with him a normal biblical pattern of covenant uh, and this kind of follows it namely there's the initiating party describe themselves what he's done then there's a list of obligations between the two or more parties often what follows then is a a section dealing with rewards and punishments that govern the keeping and breaking of covenant. And actually, if you look, the Ten Commandments fit that pattern. They're covenant document. So, let's have a look. The initiating party describes himself. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and of slavery. That's who I am. Yes? I am the Lord your God. Mm. Not a bad thing to dwell on, is it? I am the Lord your God. 
Then the obligations, you shall have no other gods before me. Hmm? No other gods before me. That's, a, that's an obligation. That's part of the covenant. Then the section dealing with rewards and punishments that govern the keeping and breaking of covenant. Honour your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land of the Lord your gives you. Hmm. It's one of the examples of rewards and punishments. You know, we can get familiar with these things to the point that we, we fail to understand this is, this is God himself speaking some serious stuff. Covenants can be conditional or non-conditional. Obviously the one that we're particularly interested in is new covenant. But all covenants in the Bible are between God and man. And they're originated by God and they're actually an act of his grace. Nobody makes him do it. New covenant is between Christ and his church. And it's primarily about coming into his life. We call it eternal life or salvation. And, of course, the covenant sign is baptism. Some of you followed that just this last week. And we continue to participate or demonstrate our participation uh, in that covenant, as I already said, with the Lord's Supper, which is one of our privileges. It's in Colossians 2, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. That's why I find it horrific to, to reduce baptism to a kind of, uh, what is that phrase, outward sign to an inward conviction or something like that. It's far, far more than that. Buried with him in baptism, set free by the power of his God. It's part of the covenant, part of what he gives to us and has made for us. So, uh, we're speaking of a covenant. Let's have a look at some of the features. A covenant that's initiated by God it's underwritten by God and it's made with us for our blessing and for our benefit. That's a, a long way removed from a kind of uh, restrictive legal document that's to tie us into something which is uh, for somebody else's benefit. This is what God has done for our benefit. And when we speak of covenant, it's important that we understand it is very, very significant. It's very serious, but it's there, made by God, for our benefit, that we can live uh, in the promise that he's made for us. It's a very wonderful and special promise, made and underwritten by him. Just think about one or two of the features. Um, 2 Corinthians 1 says this, that he's the God of all comfort. Psalm 27, we read, Though father and mother forsake me, 
the Lord will receive me. Look at the strength of that. I mean, some of you have experienced the, the painful, painful, painful nature of father or mother or both in some way forsaking. That's a very, very painful thing. And yet, what God provides in his covenant is that he is one who will never forsake. He is one who embraces. He is the one who declares himself the God of all comfort. Let me just, let me just take for a moment In the world in which we live, there is a a constant desire to kind of uh, make us victims. Victims of this, victims of that. I don't even like the term. Something sort of jars with that. Uh, Even this week on the news, they were saying victims of of the flooding in uh, Cumbria. Hmm. Then I come to think God's word. You know, these that you were wanting to call victims, I have decided that they are those who will inherit the land. I've got the one view, kind of, it's a kind of humanistic sort of world we live in, a victim, and I've got God's view that he takes those and it causes them to live in triumph. Now, there's ways of processing that. But this, this covenant that God has made, I don't know. We can either live as those who have somehow been made victims... But if we recognise and live in what God has provided, calls himself the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. I wonder if in God there's a place, a better place than where we would have been had we not suffered that. Whatever the various issues may be, Because we can know God, we can know his redeeming power, the depth of his feeling, and in fact, the actual experience that the Bible says, beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That, to me, kind of speaks, we can either dwell on that, I'm not saying deny these things, or we can tap into this covenant God and part of his provision and part of his promise is we can actually know beauty for ashes and the oil of gladness for mourning and the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness. Kind of double blessing coming out of former trouble. Or to use 
the term that Joseph used, that which was intended for evil, God uses for good. A few weeks ago, in the worship time, I think it was Phil that brought us a picture about um, a rock and a, a torrent and about the letting go of the rock and about God being perfect in all his ways. See, if I tried to comprehend it with the natural mind, if I tried to enter into that, I am trying with my finite mind and the limitations of that are severe. But there is a covenant God who's drawn us into a place where he can cause us to live in his goodness and his richness in a place which is above and beyond that. place that he has provided for us. When we talk then about covenant, we have to begin to think about what we know as against what we feel. What we know as against what we feel. Not denying that we feel things, is recognising that we do. And the encouragement that God gives us, this covenant God, is to be a people who declare the truth. God loves me has made covenant with me. Rather than be in agreement with the enemy that would say the opposite. Well, I don't know, you know, you're always going to kind of be affected by that situation. You can't really, you're always going to be like that because, you know, it was, it's in the genes or whatever. That kind of lie from the enemy. We have to make a decision. Are we going to believe a covenant God or the enemy that is a liar from the beginning? So it's good to pray and understand God's love and come into agreement with him rather than with the enemy. Recognize just what has been given and equipped by him for us in this covenant. Sometimes it does require... um, That thing that Paul spoke about in Philippians 3, um, pressing to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. You remember the the woman that was uh, suffering from the hemorrhage? Uh, And it says that she, she pressed in. I mean, there's this huge crowd of people. Even the disciples are saying, uh, when Jesus said, who touched me? Loads of people are touching you in the middle of a big crowd. But this woman pressed through. And I think sometimes there's a, there's a fundamental decision that God empowers us to make that enables us to press through to say, I choose to bring that thought into captivity. I choose to deny that accusation. And I choose to receive the truth. And the truth is... I am linked with Almighty God in covenant relationship. And all that he has promised, he's promised to me. And it's good for me. Sometimes 
when we come up against things. Actually, what we're coming up against <laughs> is true. We need to... Not a lot of point in trying to defend something. Maybe somebody's trying to correct you and uh, defending that um, just because not many of us like to be corrected. You know, do you like to be corrected? No? How many of you woke up this morning and said, I wonder how many times I'm going to be corrected today? It's, it doesn't really happen, does it? But in, in the security of being linked in a covenant relationship with Almighty God, we have the ability, instead of uh, getting defensive, refusing to accept that we're wrong or giving in to some bad reaction, we have the ability to choose to repent, have the confidence to change. And I, I just read something or heard something the other day that I really liked, which I believe in, that truth overrides facts. And revelation is better than reason. I couldn't have reasoned myself into the new covenant. There is no reason why Almighty God should have given up his one and only son for me. It, it just beyond the ability to compute in my mind. But the revelation that he did is a much more powerful thing than trying to work out the reasons. Same thing can happen as well. You reach out to help somebody or help resolve something and, and uh, we're not back, not well received. You can either react again or we can do what a covenant God wants us to do. It's the power to actually live differently that is really so thrilling. Features of covenant, the ability to live in relationship with him, the ability to live differently, the ability to serve, the ability to face the, the difficulties and disappointments and and bring a different whole script into, the, into the, the story that the enemy would seek to bring before us, the ability to press into the purpose of God. So let's have a little look at the results. That leap of faith to believe God, that he would actually do this for me to confess out loud what you believe what God has done and seeing that God's covenant relationship linking himself to you what has made for us the basis of confidence and believing I don't want to go too much into this today I may come back to this later I do want to raise with us that feelings are real, but they're not the final decider of what is true. Yeah? You can feel something, 
And one of the reasons of that is because one of the ways the enemy can attack us is in emotions, uh, intellect, uh, in that realm which we call broadly the soul. But God speaks to us as spirit with spirit. He places his spirit within us with the ability to receive and hear truth, a different voice. So there's always two voices, remember, operating in the spirit realm. There's a voice of the enemy which can speak to feelings and thoughts and temptations. And then there's the spirit of God who always speaks truth into our spirit. So because we might feel guilty, does it mean we are guilty? But they can't, we cannot determine, otherwise we're in great danger of, of dropping in to where the area where the enemy can attack. And we have to be determined not to be ruled by feelings. I think I've told you before that the, the issue of feelings and hurt. We had a, many years ago, I was picking up problems in one, one of the groups that was part of the church then. And uh, the thing I kept uh, picking up was this, but, I, but you know, what she said to me just hurt me so much. I felt so hurt, or what he did. I thought, this, this is strange. And uh, um, we, we live in a world where, of course, the, the, the humanistic nature of the world says that the, the most important thing is that you, you kind of mustn't hurt people, you mustn't sort of say the wrong thing, or you mustn't uh, upset them. And this, this was kind of uh, floating around. And no, no, I couldn't, I, I couldn't be resolved with them because the hurt was... And I thought, wait a minute, hurt and feelings are being lifted to being the highest value. Uh, and in fact, it's even like a, a reason for not being restored and resolved, brother to brother. I thought, it can't be right. Then a funny thing happened. Um, one of the boys fell over and uh, I... I'd taken, they'd hurt their arms, I took them to the doctor. And the, the doctor, um, he gets his arm and he's going like this. And I thought, that's hurting my boy. And I have a duty of protection. So if this doctor is hurting my boy, I need to punch him on the nose. LAUGHTER <laughs> It's funny, isn't it, how God reveals these things which are accurate and true as part of his covenant relationship. Then we look at the scripture, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We began to see that, wait a minute, if we lift feelings to be the primary value, then we somehow move in a soulish rather than a spirit level. And that's the area that the enemy can attack. Truth from the Spirit of God is, is unassailable. God's word cannot be watered down, cannot be 
challenge cannot be changed in any form at all. Very, very important as we understand uh, this relationship that we have. God gives us, because he's joined us to him, he gives us the ability to be able to act like him. Not act like the devil, but act like him. He's sharing his power with us. We have the power to act like God. Because he's called us into his family to be his representation, his children, his offspring. We have the power to do that. Obviously, we can't change ourselves, but as we dwell in him and what he's provided, indeed in his total provision, just, just like, you know, the branches on a tree dwell there, a fruit tree, and then the tree produces fruit, you know, it, it kind of happens. If we stay connected in, then the fruit will be produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's good to know uh, that it's him that does the change. We can't change ourselves. Nobody else can change us. Um, 1 Peter 5 uh, indicates that it's very good. We know that the change is from God that he will himself restore you. He will do it. He will make you strong and firm and steadfast. So we're related to God. There's no condemnation that those are in Christ. The devil is the accuser. We have the option to resist and not assist by agreeing with his lies. Have a little thought. Is there any accusation? that you've been carrying, that you've been heard, that you've even heard yourself repeating to yourself? Is there, remember, a temptation that comes? These things come because we struggle. The Bible says we not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And God has drawn us into a place of secure, powerful relationship. This is what he says. It's in the, in the book of Jude. There's a whole struggle and battle and stuff going on there. He says this. To him, this is to God, who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I like that one. And remember, in the context that that comes, if you read that book, it's a real kind of dark and battle stuff and all sorts of things going on. That's our covenant relationship. So we can think, and it's a good thing to do, what we can thank him for. We can also think what we can ask him for. By the way, that's a principle of the kingdom. 
You want to receive, you have to ask. Ask and it shall be given. Not drop a hint. That don't work. Knock. Not to stand outside the door. Knock and it will be opened. Yes. Kind of an action. It's a principle of confession of need. Kingdom principle. You have to ask. So thinking about this, thinking about the reality of, of covenant relationship, about the, 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 the significance of it, the serious of it, and the fact that it's God's way of completely connecting and linking us and making us part of him and his family. Are there things in the area of thoughts, accusations, which come, as I'm saying, into the emotions, the emotional reaction response, into the mind, which are contrary to what God speaks into our spirit. About asking for, turning aside from that. Lord, I choose to turn to truth and not dwell in listening to what the enemy would say. And thanking him for this, this great covenant relationship that he's wonderfully in love bound us into. Let's just read that again. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you, that's you, that's you, yeah? That's you. To present you. Hallelujah. Before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy. This is, this is how he views us. Huh? Do you do good at that? I, I'm not very good at that. No. He's going to present me with great joy. What do you mean you're going to not remember when I didn't do this or when I did that? Yep. <laughs> He's bound me in covenant. It doesn't depend on me. It depends on him and what he's done. To present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Can you just imagine? Yeah. Here. Is my beloved. Wow. Isn't that great? Yeah. Wow, look again. Yeah. Nothing wrong with this one. No fault. Covenant has worked. Why has it worked? Because God has put himself behind it, in it, and through it. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Oh, what a great covenant, yes? What great things he's done. Don't you think? Let's stand together. Let's just rejoice in his goodness.